0: This is the Unearthing Art Podcast with Michelle Illuminato and Beck Lee, where we dig into the messy reality of making art that matters, raw and real conversations about being an artist, navigating
1: the creative process, and expressing our honest and sometimes weird selves. We were talking about, when we were last chatting, around key turning points in our lives. We called them epiphanies which makes them sound like these wonderful moments. One moment, aha. Uh-huh. One perfect moment <laughs> when the sky opened, the clouds parted, heavenly light came upon us. Not true. And we had, we had <laughs> clarity. We had perfect clarity around what had come before, who we were, what was going to come next, what our art was. But actually it was a lot more messy than that, I think we've talked about for both of us. And very transitional evolution, not one moment kind of an experience, definitely, for me as well. Absolutely. Probably an experience which sparked or kicked off, then another period of transition, of growth. So what we want to
0: get into today is really talking about after that epiphany transitional moment. Beck, you really started painting to escape...
1: Tell me more about that. So I started painting initially just as um, something that felt good alongside my business, which I was a self-employed copywriter. So I was writing for people's websites and working with, funnily enough, creatives and some artists, helping them express their stories for their own website. So I was doing that and then I was starting to have I guess, difficulty maintaining that business. Again, I'm not talking about a point in time, but over a longer period when I had these, what I described when we talked about it before, these kind of experiences that undid me, that made me question a lot of things, that made me question myself, what I believed about the world, how I felt. And I found it increasingly difficult to go into the creative space of writing, to feel like I was being authentic in that work. I felt I'd lost my way and I felt the pressure of productivity and being a productive person who made money, who had a successful business and I tried really hard to keep doing it, to keep repeating what had worked perfectly well for me in the past and the harder I pushed the harder it got and it made no sense to me I'm like I I can do this work I I know I can do this work but trying to get myself to go and do what was required (laughs) you know to run a business it was like I was getting stuck in in mud and it was getting thicker and thicker at the same time I was having this great time painting and I thought I'm going to switch focus. I'm going to focus on making some pretty pictures about lovely things. I'm not going to have to deal with all this weird inner turmoil I'm feeling (laughs) around writing. Little did you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to make some pretty pictures of that wonderful feeling that I felt when I was out in the open and out amongst the gum trees with the blue skies in my Australian autumn, I'm going to capture that feeling of calmness. I'm going to share those feelings with people and I'm not going to have to feel any of that crap. (laughs) I laugh.
0: (laughs) Evil witch
1: laugh. (laughs) So does that sound like something that happened with you as well? Definitely. I think that what I always call... The curse
0: of productivity, the curse of the sale. It's like anyone who has made a living as a creative is is wired to know how to do that. Mm. And so we instantly can see opportunities on how we can monetize our creativity. And it seems easy to just go and do some paintings that are about things that we think are pretty, that we love. How hard can it be, right? Yeah. I mean feels
1: good when we're doing it it
0: feels good when we're doing it for me I had a similar situation I was definitely working through a lot of exploratory work along the way and I took a lot of risks but I also was highly sensitive and aware to what would work as a pretty picture and I felt like there was this magnet that kept pulling me into it and so I, I love geometrics, I always have. And I was drawn to how can I make those just pretty pictures as opposed to what do they actually mean to me and digging into why am I so drawn to them. In the beginning, it was yeah. really around making pretty pictures and then I completely rebelled. That's another story. But I think that <laughs> making pretty pictures is part of the beginning journey because in response to learning to be a painter is you do a lot of ugly stuff. And so you're making all these really bad choices and technical things that produce ugly results. You really crave something that works and that's pretty. And at the same time, the market is saying, hey, give me something pretty. And so there's this magnet thing that happened to me that really pulled me into a path that I could have easily stayed on without even looking up if I didn't have that in-tuneness to actually, is this what I really want? I love pretty pictures I still love pretty pictures it's just has to be more than pretty pictures for me now we talked a little Mm. bit about that surface level it's a bit like small talk versus real talk and oh yeah so I feel like pretty pictures for me it's that surface small talk stuff where can we actually make pretty pictures that have more
1: meaning to them so we've talked about this. If we, not that we'd ever be in a bar meeting strangers, I'd have to say, <laughs> the kind of people because we both know that's not our thing. No, but if we've been enticed out to some kind of social gathering, <laughs> probably uh, not. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're much more likely to, rather than want to talk about the weather, to want to talk about how do you feel about the mortality of your exactly. life exactly <laughs> So the big topics the juicy, the juicy topics. topics not something that usually happens around champagne glasses yes but that then a part of why we've started the unearthing podcast is we like to hear conversations where people really dig in and and get in deep to the topics and ask the next question and the question after that rather than just skimming over and i think it's because, for me, it's because I'm just, I'm just damn curious. Yeah, yeah. I just want to yeah. know how things work and why. Yeah, why yeah. is that? Why do we do the things we do? Why do we make the things we make? <laughs> I, I love it because that's actually, that's, that's my disease as well. I am
0: super curious. So I think that it's actually kind of fun to discover that the deepness isn't because we're trying to be all heavy it's because we're Mm. super curious people. And I think that's really interesting because I think that we could be accused of being deep in thought and sometimes it comes across as heavy. It's just curious. I think that, going back to the pretty pictures, one of the things that I think I see a lot of artists, I don't know if struggle is the right word Mm. because sometimes it feels like a struggle, but sometimes it doesn't. It's the idea that you can have these technical problems that you're solving that have to do with paint and hard skills and, and some really methodical, technical things around the idea of how chemistry of how paint works, how you use a brush, all that technical hard skill stuff. And then there's the soft skills of what does the art actually mean? And, and I think when it comes to just doing pretty pictures... I know for myself I was just working on the hard skills. I was just working on how does this paint work? How can I technically make it look like this? How does it do this? And so those technical skills I think are easier to learn, you know, and focus on in the beginning. At least for myself, I don't know about you, but I just found that mm. it's it's easy to put the other stuff aside because you're like, "Oh, I've got all these technical problems I need to solve." I'd love to to solve those, but it can easily be an excuse or derailing you from looking at the harder questions. You know, around why do I like these things, and what do what do they mean to me, and how do they come alive in my painting, and you know, all that stuff that sometimes we don't we don't even know that those are the questions we need to ask. I think that's half of the battle.
1: Yeah. So I have a hundred questions now. <laughs> what? <laughs> why <laughs> i can't I can't even begin to know where to start the question i was gonna ask but there's one before that is why would we even do the hard stuff why <laughs> don't we just stay with the pretty pictures. i like, know why? i just why?
0: so here's my take to people who were curious it's just mm. not satisfying to only mm. do the technical questions and I, you could say that, yes, I'm a deep thinker and I need to have more substance, but I think it's just not satisfying. I think we're too curious. I think the technical questions alone
1: are not enough. Yeah. Is that what you found? Do you think that's what led you in your journey? Absolutely. I'm just too curious to not continue to ask
0: the questions of what about this and what about this? Then I need to ask the technical question on how to solve that, but I First, I need to figure out what is it that I love and what is it that I like? What am I about? Mm. And then the technical questions become, oh, how am I going to do that now? You know what I mean? So I feel this sense of Beck's got another hundred questions. Does that lead to another question?
1: No, I'm, I'm just smiling to myself because what popped into my head is that the answer is that <laughs> we just like creating more complicated challenges. yes or problems for us to solve and it's a lot more challenging to solve the problem how do i express this feeling and this unique perspective than how do i mix the right shade of blue yeah which is the more interesting just hardwired to seek the more interesting problem to solve yes and this is a separate topic i'm sure
0: about work style and work process and work flow but I have learned that I actually love to spend time on my work, to really mm-hmm. literally walk around it, to look at it, to, to imagine things, and I like to actually be with it. And if I mm-hmm. just solve mm-hmm. a technical problem alone, it goes out the door too quick. It doesn't give me the satisfying experience of discovering this thing together. Does that make sense?
1: yeah it does it does I'm thinking about what kind of gets one into the studio and I know you've talked about risk risk taking yeah as a real driver for yes. you yes
0: it's a bit like I suppose in a in a fantasy world I would be a skydiver but I'm not <laughs> <laughs> but I always I love the idea that you could just fly and be free and one day maybe I will but I'm afraid of heights so that's a bit of a problem but I love the idea that I can just jump off this ledge and what's the worst thing that can happen is that I don't like it it's it's such a exhilarating feeling that doesn't involve flying out of a plane and it's like this just this big risk and I always even if I'm trying to finish work this has happened to me just the other day where I was finishing up some work and I took the last half an hour to do this crazy experiment just to see what would happen like as if I was just jumping off a cliff and it doesn't matter if it fails and I always have canvases laying around that I get to do those things too because I like to see what happens and I don't care about them so I think that the risk is associated with that unearthing part that isn't always associated with a technical problem. What's the mm-hmm. risk? Mm-hmm. Like, sure, you can ask a technical risk, but it doesn't have the same feeling. Do you know what I mean? It's, uh, it's Again, I hate yeah. to use this analogy of flying out of a plane, but it's like jumping off with some... That If I ask only a technical question, it's like having someone... I'm jumping on the back and they have a parachute and they're guiding my tour, where if I take yeah. a risk on my art and I am asking just a really curious question that may or may not work, then it's, it's
1: like free-falling. Like a question that may have no answer, a question that's more conceptual. Yes. Can I express that kind of I'll speak for myself now yeah but say a question I I'm constantly fascinated by is can I express something that has both the joy and the exaltation of being alive but also that sense of fragility and you know tenderness yes so I'm really interested in these kind of competing and well they're not competing that's the whole thing they're seen as opposites but they exist at once like that how do you express that yeah it's a human experience maybe that's jumping without a parachute yeah i would say it has <laughs> more to do with isn't jumping yeah. without a
0: parachute at all rather than even being guided but it's a different kind of a question isn't it it's a different problem to solve and it's mm. not like you said i think the frustrating part and the exhilarating part as an artist it's a double-edged sword is that it isn't solvable. There's no end. And I think that a lot mm. of artists, and I'm including myself, we want to see, oh, have we arrived? Are we there? And the answer is no. Mm. It's not a solvable finished thing. Because once you finish, say you work on a series and you arrive, there's new questions. There's new curiosities. There's more questions that you've discovered. Like, I've just finished a series. Guess what? I've, I've got more questions. I literally barely have them framed and I'm already moving on to the next problems and the next questions and the next set of curiosity. Is it technical? Some of it, but mostly it's more of how do
1: I jump out without a parachute? (laughs) Because that's fun. So this is fascinating because when we started out, we thought, like, what is the, the point of going into the studio? The point of going into the studio is to come out with a pretty painting. Pretty picture. Success. What does success look like? And now I'm wondering something that's happened over time is redefining mm-hmm. success in a way to be more about what does success look like to me? Am I having the feeling or the experience? Because what you were talking about before was not wanting to let the paintings go out too quickly. So the feeling that you want to have in the studio is is you want to have enough time with that painting to really explore, to take more risks and for that f- experience not to be over yeah. too soon and then you're saying I've just finished a series I want to get back in and have more of that experience so the product is sort of a byproduct of the experience and the process totally totally and that goes back to why I'm painting in the first place is I
0: really want to have this experience that just feels really connected to a personal experience and
1: mm. and to
0: preserve that it, it's it's tricky because when you sell I think there's this you know gravitational magnetizing thing that's like do more of that do more of that and in my mind I've had mm-hmm. to do a lot of reflection and um, I don't know if self control is the right word but definitely audits of does this actually matter to me to do more is there an evolution I'd like to see and I'm almost thinking that my journey is all about the evolution itself and that feels more satisfying to me. Because I think as artists, like, well, why are we doing it in the first place? Because we want to be satisfied. Well, in the beginning, I wanted to make a pretty picture because everything else I made was duck, sh- <laughs> you know. So that was satisfying. <laughs> yeah. That's not satisfying because I know how to make pretty pictures now. Now I want to make pictures that c- keep my curiosity and let me explore and let me spend time with it. So if we go back to why are we painting in the first place... So with you, you were making pretty pictures, and then that became not really satisfying.
1: Yeah, and I didn't know why. Yeah. How we met, you and I, Michelle, is because I heard about a course that you were going to run, and not knowing yeah, you yeah. at all, <laughs> got in contact with you and, and, and said, mm, do you think this course could offer me anything? I'm not sure. I'm just throwing the net out because... I'm not experiencing satisfaction in the work and I don't know why I didn't know why and what I've come to see and articulate more over time is that that feeling that I really chase is like the a, a thrill of insight of things just feeling like they're clicking into place Not too easily, though. (laughs) (laughs) Like, there has to be a challenge. It's like putting the puzzle together. And I experienced that with my writing. That's how I experienced writing all the way along, back for as long as I've been doing it. It's really interesting that by recognizing that in my creative past and seeing Recognizing, you know, the pleasure that I've had in creative projects previously, not mm-hmm. necessarily painting, and then bringing that forward into how I approached painting. Such a good topic to talk about because
0: I'm thinking, I'm instantly going, yes, what, what you're talking about, I believe, is creative assets and really tapping into those creative assets. Yes. I think we should definitely do yeah. the next podcast on creative assets because I feel like it's a missing piece for many many people including myself in the beginning and that's why I'm so passionate about teaching people how to tap into it because it's it's something that we have in us already and as creative beings it's just it's so freeing when we can tap into them I look at your work what I see today and it just it's it's just got Beck written all over it and it's and, and I don't mean that in a literal <laughs> way, as much as I mean, I can see you in your work and I can't imagine it not being there. It's like a signature. I think when we really put our creative assets into our work, it becomes our signature to the work without actually signing the piece. Mm. You know, when you see on Instagram and you see someone, you're like, oh, there's Beck, you know, and you know, without even looking at who the name is, whose work it is. And that to me is when your signature, your creative assets are coming through in your work.
1: Yeah. A really fantastic tool to bring to the fore when you are finding ever increasingly challenging problems. And I know problems can have a bit of a negative connotation. Whenever I say problem, I think a maths problem. Curiosity. It's a curiosity problem. That's it. You're creating for yourself these kind of more complicated puzzles that you want to solve. And I think because you're bored a little bit too, right? You're not satisfied. So if you're
0: feeling bored with your work, that could be a sign. If you're feeling a little
1: unsatisfied, even if you're selling. Satisfaction is such a wonderful word that I've really come to use a lot more for myself at the moment because it isn't as weighed Mm -hmm. down with judgment it's not about if a piece is good like is this good enough is this piece bad have i done enough have i not done enough Am I yeah. satisfied yeah. with this piece of art? Am I satisfied with what I'm doing when I create art? There's no comparing to yeah. others or, or to having a standard or ideal. It's just what is satisfying to me. And Seems simple, but it's the best way to live by. It's yeah. so freeing. I'm thinking if you, if you get to the end of your life and you can say, I was satisfied with what I did. What else is there? That's it. So that's
0: where I think that that's when people like us dig into these harder questions, and again it's it's harder because they're questions that just can be shelved e- easily, I think is the point.
1: and they can raise a lot of discomfort so it, it can feel and at one level easier. We can say why why pursue these more mm. complex puzzles? Why can p- pursue these harder questions? Isn't it kind of less stressful, less anxiety producing to chill out in the area of capability, of competence, of expertise to to make what I know how to make and keep doing that. This reminds me of a quote. This is from a writing book, but I think it it applies equally across art. Creative anxiety and dealing with a level of discomfort when you're doing creative work, it kind of goes hand in hand. And I think that's why sometimes you throw your hands up in the air and say, why am I even doing this? Why? Why don't I go and, um, I don't know... Make milkshakes, anything. Yeah, just do something where there's a very clear set of instructions, a beginning and an end, and and then at the close of the day, I shut the shop door and it's done, you know? Go home and you don't think about it anymore. Exactly. So this quote is from a book called The Writer's Space, and it, it is a book about creating space and that creative anxiety. And he says, isn't it one of our genetic goals to reduce our experience of anxiety? Yes, but that isn't the goal of our humanity. Our genes tell us to avoid the dark tunnels, but our humanity tells us to explore them if that's where we'll find our art. Wow, that's amazing. Which made so much sense when I read that. We're wired to do this. Our humanity is is the Curious Monkey. We want to see what if. We want to understand why. We want to take things apart. We want to put them together. We want to show each other and say, look what I made. We want to process it. (laughs) We want to talk about it.
0: We want to talk about it, exactly. We could be labeled the Curious Monkey. We're very curious creatures. And I think creatives, oh my gosh, that's what makes us creatives because we're so curious. So how can you not explore that? How can you not?
1: How can you not? Today, we've been talking about the really juicy questions we can ask ourselves in the studio. So we'd love to know what's the best question you've asked yourself as an artist. Come and tell us on Instagram at unearthingart. And as always, if you're looking for more about the show or anything we've mentioned, you'll find all of that at unearthingart.com. Don't forget to subscribe in your favorite podcast app and we'll catch you next time.